I'm a little, I'm a little uh, uh, off my game because we're sitting here in Brandon's. Uh, do you call this a kitchenette or is this the formal dining room? Uh, we only have uh, this is the only place okay. we eat, so it's both the informal and formal dining. Because you know we have one of those formal dining rooms, and I don't know what you call it. I always call it the breakfast table, despite the fact that we eat breakfast snuck. I believe that's that's yeah. very common. Anyways, we're face to face, so uh, uh, I'm not used to that. I, I prefer the theater of the mind. <laughs> But uh, yeah, here, here we are, another software-defined talk, uh, members-only white paper exegesis podcast. Did I get that right? From memory. Well done. Yeah. I thought, as, as always, uh, when I haven't extensively prepared, I thought we should talk about me. So, uh, you know, I write a column at the Register uh, about monthly, uh, more or less, and uh, I picked some articles there we could go over. And we did, I think um, uh, a few episodes ago, we talked about a Kubernetes article. So we already kind of talked about tech news a little bit, but we can talk about it some more. And uh, we can also talk about the, uh, the kind of, um, I don't know what to call it, commentary, as the register says. It's sort of like the editorial analysis type of tech news that someone like myself does in that column. And then uh, I, think, I think my, um, uh, I don't really know how to describe it, but someone like Matt Assay writes the kind of stuff that I do like we're very similar in the, the sort of whatever it is we do like he's he's uh for some reason he's a vice president and I'm not a vice president <laughs> I mean I think I could take over if the sudden incapacitation of a president occurred I think I really got some executive would, would you say though that you guys both I mean like a traditional newspaper person would say you're a columnist right like there's yeah, reporters yeah, and so. there's columnists so, I think with so you and Matt Assay, I think of you as like tech yeah columnist opinions like you're I'm not well, you made inform me of the news. I'm I'm really looking for like your take on the news. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I mean, it's not that I hesitate, but I would qualify it or nuance it with when I think of a traditional columnist, like uh, I don't know, a Jack Germond. I don't know why I think of him first, but um, you know, it, they usually are covering politics, right? At least in the U.S., I don't know what they do elsewhere, and they're, I guess, I guess their 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 goal is suck in all the reporting, which in U.S. news is supposedly unbiased factual reporting. Um, we don't need to commentate on that or not. So suck in all the reporting that happens and express some opinion about it. And or in the case of people like Maureen Dowd and other people, like tap into the, uh, the gossip mill of things going on and, and use that as spice on what you have there. So you might have your uh, various politics columnists being like, you know, essentially the people that I don't like are idiots. Here's why. Or like, here, here's why you should be in favor of, uh, you know, what do they call it? The universal basic income. Right. And, and then usually they're constrained to like five or 800 words. So I so guess you're basic. You are trying to do that with the red shirt. When you extent, sit down, although, you, although, write you know, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm slippery in the sense of like, I never like to be pinned down to having had a definitive opinion. And that that because I don't like conflict and that allows <laughs> makes me makes for a good columnist. Yeah. yeah. No and definitive that, opinion. That allows me to kind of like not piss people off and kind of coast along things. So it's very rare that I you can if, if you read it closely enough that I'm actually saying anything I think. Right. Like I usually pair it through other stuff. But yes, that's what I'm, I'm trying to do, a combination of analysis, which I don't maybe you see analysis and editorial gets mixed together in journalism and straight journalism a lot because i think i think the way we think about journalism in the u.s to analyze something is to have an opinion on it which i think is accurate ontologically if that's the right use of that word uh so you, i don't really see what i would consider straight analysis in the same way that if you go read a gartner or a forester or a red monk or a 451 they have analysis that's somewhat that's not an opinion so anyways i think about what i do as as analysis and editorial column. So that's, that's my over, that's my way too nuanced thing. Like, for example, I'm trying to finish up a piece that I pitched. My wife said that I could get the, uh, the fancy uh, American airlines credit card that costs like $400 a year. Wow. If I did extra work. Okay. That's how the CFO works there. Okay. So I pitched an extra story uh, to my editor at the register going over what is the Kubernetes marketplace. And so right. I'm trying to finish that up. And so that's a combination. Wow. Of, that could take a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, and it's also difficult because I also work at Pivotal. And so I don't want to say something that would like impinge my Pivotal employment. Right. Right. So, um, so 
that's a bunch of analysis in the sense of I'm trying to explain what the market space is of Kubernetes, which I don't think anyone really knows. And at the same time, I'm also kind of expressing some opinions about what might happen, what are strategies that people might have. So I'm having to like formulate what I think about this in a non-factual based way, right? Like the thing that I'm angling towards in there is like, uh, it's kind of like what we talk about a lot is I'm, you know, the two things that fit into what I'm saying are everyone's trying to go after VMware's money, right? And so VMware makes like $7 billion in revenue, which is not all, of course, virtualization, but like everyone wants that money <laughs> or, or using your Diane Green thing, they somehow want to figure out a wedge, a way of disrupting that money so that they can enter the market and do whatever, right? Um, just the way that Linux disrupted Windows and then that created a market for Linux. Like destroying a market often creates a market for people. And so there's that angle of that's what's going on with Kubernetes to some extent. And then the other angle that, that I was kind of struggling with is like, well, what is Google's reason for doing this? And you can come up with all sorts of like nefarious conspiracy theory, chemtrail reasons. But at the end of the day, when I keep thinking about it and talking with people, I think it's just because Google is always just kind of bumbles into things. And they're just like, oh, robots. Nope, bad idea. Get rid of that. Oh, we should buy Motorola. Nope, bad idea. Get rid of that. And they're like, I don't know. We should uh, release, come up with a new version of Borg and release it and see what happens. See what happens. Yeah. No, oh, it's a good for our cloud strategy kind of sort of woo doo doo right? Like. I'm really trying to resist the urge. The register really likes to call Google the chocolate factory. And I can't tell you how many times I've. I, oh, I did not right know. There. Well, inside baseball, I didn't know they had a little pet name for it. So, yeah. So, uh, yes, more or less an editorial column. All right. Well, I think, I mean, what I th see happening, I think both, you know, broad general news, you know, kind of you know, sports and politics uh, certainly have done this, is that people are definitely gravitating towards you know, getting their news mm. through some type of editorial opinion. Because, and I think it, I think at first glance, people don't like that. They're, you know, there's like traditional journalists who are concerned about, you know, the, the, the Chinese wall that exists between like pure news and editorial. But I will say that I have found myself is that often digesting the facts is pretty quick. And there's, a, and given the, you know, internet at large, there's so much aggregation going on where like you'll read the same uh, yeah. announcement article regurgitated like a thousand times so it's not that useful like once it's been once it's out there so and even with um someone's in kind of your position writing it's just even including the news up front is just as good as reading it somewhere else exactly. and then having someone give me an opinion about it because what i like personally is that opinion in my mind will start to make me either make an argument to agree with that person or to disagree. And that's more helpful yeah. than it is for someone just to say like, and I think Kubernetes, as we have talked about at length on our, this podcast is a great example. It's, you know, there's numerous articles that will explain what it is to some degree, right? And like what the announcements are, but like, what do you know, what should you care about? And there's certainly right. some people that are very pro Kubernetes It's the future, you know, maybe that's the majority. And then there are you know, some other opinions out there like, Hey, it, you know, doesn't do what you think it does. Right. And that counter. And so, I think that kind of uh, analysis, whether it's news, sports, uh, in our case, tech news, is very helpful. And I think that's like having an opinion to me and being bringing some expertise to the news you're reporting on seems almost a prerequisite at this point to be yeah. successful as a you know any type of news reporter and or columnist. Yeah, and and I think I think on on several levels, uh, I'm extremely biased for the following. Uh, because I like to consume this kind of stuff and also because I like to produce it. But I think, no, I think you're right. Like the, in the consumer tech space, I mean, this is my usual hobby horse, but in the consumer tech space, I think people are doing a good job of basically being the economist, right? Like I look at the economist as like the model for journalism where it's on a weekly basis. It has a global view. The articles are extremely well-written and they report on the facts, they're contextualized, and they even have some opinion in them, right? Like, so it has everything. Like, in theory, if I had, like, it'd probably take three hours, but it'd probably take five hours of clock time, a full work day, because I would get distracted and need to check on Twitter and stuff. Like, it could take you a full day to read an issue of The Economist, and you would have a pretty good sense after a few years of what was going on in the world. And anyways, um, I have a feeling that if you, you know, 
looked in the consumer space, there's plenty of people you would know what's up with uh, the fang and the four and all that. And there would be opinions about it. Like nowadays, what people are writing opinions about is uh, you can, and it's, it's hilarious, right? Like uh, you can see this cycle play over, you can just predict it. We're like uh, Facebook and everyone has all this power that causes bad societal things. And you can almost set your watch and be like, in two weeks, people are going to start writing articles about is regulation needed. Right. right. It's just like, bam, that's going to happen. And sure enough, this week, you know, you open up your feeds or whatever, and they're like, should we be regulating these companies? And so, like, that that is a good amount of analysis going on. And, you know, of course, like, uh, I think the market's saturated that. So, for example, in, in the infrastructure software space or whatever we would call it, enterprise tech, there's a little bit at the application layer, like the Diginomica people, they write a little bit of analysis. They write a lot of analysis in their area, but they're kind of like the only people who analyze the enterprise application space, like SAP and Oracle and Workday, all that thrilling ERP stuff. But for example, uh, if you think about it, like what's up with Cisco? I'm trying not to pick companies we're affiliated with, but like <laughs> no one really ever does any analysis about what's going on with Cisco or, or even some, even more obscure, what's up with Citrix, right? Like you would be really hard pressed to figure out to kind of just even at an intermediate skill level of, of caring, like look around and try to figure out in the same way that we know here's the history of Russian meddling with Facebook and we have lots of opinions about what should happen. What's going on with Citrix and Cisco, right? Like you might find some like equity analysis and analysis, which is usually all trash. It's just from the perspective of like, if I want to treat, uh, um, a uh, stock buying as a, a way to make money. How do I think about this? They don't think about it as the actual company in long-term things. Um, and so there's not like a lot of analysis of in public of what goes on with those companies. And then, and then as an example of that, I think this is two or three weeks ago, like Cisco announced a partnership with Google and you're just like, well, what does this mean? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like, like how, I don't even know I mean, I think Timothy Prickett Morgan maybe had a little bit of analysis or maybe a screenshot from a slide deck, but it's just like, what do I, what do I do with this? You know, like, does this relate to intracloud? Like what, what are you getting? What would I even buy? Yeah. Like, well, I think that kind of brings us almost to maybe the, you know, if there is a founding mission of software defined talk, which is in itself probably, you know, a little bit comical to say that, but I think what we believe, right, is that there is a lot of news in tech beyond the consumer stuff that's important, right? Yeah. And in fact, you know, if you look at things we talk a lot about, like spend and how much money uh, is spent in this area and how companies build, large companies are using this stuff to build all these kinds of things that affect your life in one way or the other. And I, but I think it comes back to as a columnist, like, you know, I'm sure your editor at the register is probably most interested in, in page views, right? So mm -hmm. the reason why the thing get covered so hard, so much is that, you know, they, people read that and I, I'm as guilty as anyone. Like when the new iPhone comes out, I, I end up reading a lot of reviews. I want to yeah. know what's going on. Um, to the point though, that I, I kind of quickly get frustrated too. It's like, well, I've read this 10 times. Like I, there's nothing else I can learn about face ID. I mean, there's just nothing, no one else yeah. is saying anything different. So how do you, and how does your editor, like when you're trying to take a, like maybe that Cisco partnership is a good example. Like, like when you're pitching them, like, do they have the same kind of thought process or you, or do you, how hard do you have to sell them on getting an article like that written? Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. So I'll give background on how it started and then maybe it'll, cause the answer to your question is frustrating if you actually care about answering the question. Uh, so I started writing, it's almost been two years and, and so it's Gavin Clark. He's like the feature editor at the register. Uh, I think I'm quickly coming to realize that very few people read and remember the tech news as closely as I do. So you may not remember him as being one of the main writers at the register over the past decade or so. Uh, anyways, he's a nice guy. I met him. Uh, he's great actually. And they do, they started doing a conference called continuous something. And you know, it's just like a DevOpsy agile conference they do in London. I'm going to speak at the one, I don't know what it is. One of the M months in the year, probably may. Uh, and, uh, Basically, to your point, in order to build up interest around a conference, they wanted some pieces on DevOps and Agile. So he hired a bunch of, I guess you would call them, not stringers, that's a reporter, but people to write columns from the analyst world and myself. And the idea was at the bottom, it would be like, you should come to our conference. And also it just kind of brings people into that topic area to funnel into that. So that's how things originally happened. And I think he, 
contract is the wrong word because we never signed anything, but he, he wanted me to do three pieces. And so I wrote the three orig- first pieces I did. Um, and then after that, he was like, oh, you should just keep writing this, right? Like you should keep writing uh, in this area. And I haven't noticed other people from that batch. Like I think I might have been one of the only people who survived the cut, if, if I remember. I should go back and check that. But um, I've never really... So that's how I got set up with this. And, and the, the working operation, the thing, the way we operate is there's two things. For the most part, I basically just send them a story. And I say, is this good? If it's good, I'll send an invoice. And, and I get paid since it's good to talk about money. I paid $400 a column. I basically get paid 50 cents a word with a minimum of 800 words. So that's 400, right? I think so. That That is, we can do that math. And now I obviously end up, maybe not obviously, but I end up writing like 900 to 1500 words, usually around 1100. I try to keep it around a a thousand words. Um, I should probably ask to be paid more, but whatever. Um, So I get paid 400 bucks off of that. So I send them an invoice and then I get paid with that. And they're a little goofy sometimes and they're paying in the bundle of payments. Once they overpaid me and I thought I'd be a good little boy and tell them that. So, um, yeah, so it's kind of weird. That's why I said the answer to your question was frustrating because I don't really ever pitch. Well, okay, so in your case, you're you're close. I mean, you really, I think a lot of journalists yeah. and columnists would like this. I mean, you're yeah, you, you have free reign. So, so for my normal, I guess I'm a at large columnist, yeah. right? So for my normal column, which it's not actually monthly because they don't publish, they don't hire freelancers in August and December because, as Gavin said, no one reads them because you're on, on vacation. vacation in yes. August and December is also on vacation. So normally for my normal column, I don't have to pitch anything. It just takes whatever I give them, which is great. Now I can, as I was alluding to earlier with the uh, getting the Admirals Club access, I can pitch additional things. And in fact, over the past six or nine months, Gavin has been continually telling me I should pitch more things, which I think means he wants me to pitch more things. Okay. So I have pitched some extra things here and there. Um, And those I do pitch. And I usually send him like, three to five ideas and he picks one out and says, can you write this by this time? And this, whatever. So like, for example, uh, he asked me for some more and I pitched like five of them. And the one he picked out for me to write extra is in next week. Now that I think of it is uh, I pitched to him, like you look at agile surveys and people don't actually practice the agile practices as much as you might think. And what the fuck, right? Like it's like 25 years later, everyone knows this stuff works what's the deal so i think that's the classic uh like counterintuitive yeah. um you know if you will kind of econ- even like a freakonomics kind of mm. uh i think you see this, this a lot podcast is over you've compared me to freakonomics <laughs> no no but i just mean um i what i, I meant to say thousand hours on this brand and i don't know i know to be insulted i met uh airport literature yeah no i was i was reaching for uh behavioral economy uh, economist when i said no, that no, no. but uh nonetheless it's like i i am drawn to like the, the yeah. and i it's maybe a little bit too much, but the uh, the behavioral economists have done a good job. A lot, a lot of things do this, right? They will take a you know, even the you know the quote unquote you know Freakonomics you know kind of uh, I don't know, it's kind of beat to death. But the, the conventional wisdom, right. you know, not everyone knows it, that kind of I, thing. I think, so I think the classic frustration would be like broken window theory. Yeah, right. Yeah, so people take, but I, I think what you and I think this is always a good angle. And I just wondered, like, do you consciously use that idea of like, hey? Like what you were saying right there is Agile's really popular and it's constantly talked about, but it sounds like the survey data is actually showing we're not doing it. So yeah. that's just an example of that that jumped to mind. Like, do you consciously look for those kinds of hooks to then write an article, or do you, they just is it just works out that way sometimes? Yeah, I I probably do. I think I think my uh, well writing style to some extent, but my I guess what you call it editorial style, the content, the, the ideas is probably heavily influenced first by like Nietzsche, who was like the great unmasker, right? Like his whole thing was like, well, his whole thing to simplify it to a Freakonomics level, God is dead, right? Like, let me unmask all these things that you think you operate at, but these are just arbitrary morals that you've chosen. It's almost like a pre-Freudian thing of like, ah, the reason that you slice your bread this way is because you want to sleep with your mother. Right. Like, like basically like, you know, this kind of like unmasking of things. Right. Right. And so like, I am always looking for, and then the other writer that heavily influences me, of course, is like Hunter Thompson, who also did this and is influenced by Nietzsche a lot, but he wasn't so much unmasking 
well, I guess he was unmasking in the the 60s and the 70s of like we all think everything's hunky dory. But to use the example everyone will know, I go to the sheriff's convention in Las Vegas and these people are just as sordid and dirty and rotten as the criminals that they're locking behind bars, right? They're a bunch of like they suck. And yet the the angle Hunter Thompson would have is like and I love it, right? Like right. They would just revel in that. So, um to that end, I think the other angle to give a very loquacious answer is as we were kind of talking about in the tech world, no one is ever telling you what's going on. Like no one's ever even giving you context about stuff or like giving you much of an opinion. Even analysts are super cagey. Right. Um, and so I feel like the thing that I can add and what I'm interested in is sort of like, like, well, what's going on here? Right. Like what is the real deal with this? Kind of like the Kubernetes thing. Right. So like, why does Google care about Kubernetes? And let me lay out the case. It's because like, it's truly a freely, a freely available open source thing. So anyone can have it and use it. All they have to do is spend effort on it. There's no reason that Google is advantaged by having it. And so therefore it has no strategic value, right? right. And so why is that a big deal? And then why does Diane Green keep mentioning Istio, even in the context of that weird Cisco announcement? Like if you read her, every time she says like Kubernetes for the past several months, she'll mention Istio too. And so what does that mean, right? And I don't really know what the answer is, but I feel like if you do a little bit of digging, you could figure out like, uh, I don't know what you would figure out, but but like that's- No, but you're just saying there's a need there, right? It's what I think, yeah, that's I, your point. And I think that I agree with you that, you know, uh, whether it's Nietzsche or like, you know, that book, Sapiens, I really like, you know, the idea mm, of just, yeah, un- yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think what you're hitting, I like the word you said there, unmasking, right? Yeah. That that I think one of the, I think the people that listen to this podcast and listen to Software Defined Talk are looking for is somewhat, as, as some ability to unmask you know, what's going on in this yeah. industry, right? And I, you know, as we get feedback, uh, whether it be from the survey that everyone took or just like the shows or in the Slack channel, what I think we found, I have found is that, you know, because we've been working in this for a while, like we just know a lot of people and we have, yeah. and we just have built up some just knowledge of the industry just because that's yeah. what we've been we, doing. We have, the, we have the advantage of being old, which yeah. is also is experienced. <laughs> I would say experience, but what I think You've is interesting about that knowledge. is that, hey, when we can see stuff come in is that we know enough people to either ask questions that are interesting or to start to like pull back the veneer. Like we've talked a lot about Kubernetes this year because we're, that's such an important trend. Like Matt Ray and I talked a lot about, you know, VMware and, you know, the reasons that that happened in the last episode. Um, but I think that's what we're trying to do, right, is pull back. And I think, you know, a good columnist or a good article, that's what, you know, beyond straight news like just this happened on this date. That's what everyone is like is looking for. Yeah, I, uh, and I think that applies to politics a lot, sports e- even more, right? You know, all the insiders reporting information about teams, and, and to some degree, that's what I think what we're trying to do. But that's also like some people would say, you know, sometimes people call that gossip, but to me, it's like this is the only way you can really know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll give two examples in it, and then uh, maybe I'll try to figure out a way to weave in the, the actual articles to talk about myself more. But like. One, to your point, um, so uh, in the OpenStack world, there's a lot of insiders who have a lot of opinions, right? And so one opinion is that um, the problem with the OpenStack, well, first, that's an opinion is that there's a problem with OpenStack, right? So one, you got that, right? So someone has to establish that opinion. And you can't, you could come up with some factual framing for how you would prove that, but it's an unprovable thing, like, it's all based on biases, right? Like what even is success, right? Like you have to define that. Uh, and so several people would say that the problem with the OpenStack community is that they've always had a lot of vanity projects and there's not, uh, what, did you, what do you call Linus? What's his face? He's a benign dictator. Yeah. There's not enough of a benign dictator. And sure Benevolent enough, dictator, benevolent, I believe. Yeah, I guess benign would mean doesn't do anything. Right. Um, like a tumor. <laughs> uh, but uh so you don't have enough control over it, and therefore it's just like this jumble of junk, right? And they used to call this the big tent theory. Mm-hmm. And so that would be the second thing I think is, I'll have to go look this up, but I've noticed that Computer Weekly has some good articles, so I started subscribing to that. And there was a good piece, I think, in Computer Weekly a couple of weeks ago that was pretty extensive, and it was going over, it walked right up to the line of opinion of the OpenStack community has decided to shut down this big tent theory. And in fact, I think they have Jonathan Bryce, the the executive director saying that. And so here's a write-up about how that didn't work. 
right? right. And it was a, it was a well reported sort of written up piece of like, of course it has, I think Boris is in there from Mirantis, <laughs> um, which is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But it had a bunch of people talking about how the Big tent thing didn't work out and there are all these distracting projects. And then it even had some proof in there that you had, all, you had competing projects that had small adoption rates and they were killing that off. And then so what it didn't really have in it, it was like, and so here's what I think, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone knew this was doomed to fail. So anyways, that's a big example of exactly what you're saying is there is a lot of stuff going on that doesn't get written about that you would see in political coverage, right. regular news, but you don't see in the tech world. And I right. feel like- that's not the only thing that's interesting, but that to me, that's like 60, 70% of what's interesting because, and I think about you, you were telling me this when I was trying to put together all my columns in the book is like, uh, it's one thing to know all this stuff, but then what would also be nice to know is like, well, then what do I do? Right. Like what do I do about that? So like, for example, uh, what's, what's, I forget all three of the pieces that I picked, but there's one that I picked that was basically, uh, so the three I picked are one like my history and I was actually, Gavin actually asked me to do this sort of my history of how DevOps came about. And the other one was about how Java is actually a thing. And then the other one what, that I picked was about uh, how you could improve the hiring shortage by like having more diversity. Right. No, I tried not to say that because that's, that's an immediate red flag that just turns people off. Um, so for example, what you could do about it, let's take the diversity one. Like, it would be interesting to have like five pages on and here's how you would do that, right? Like here's an actual policy you would put in HR. Here's an actual, like, here's how you make something actionable. Mm-hmm. And so for example, I mean, I don't really do that, but I think that's also the missing piece of like, how would you put these things into practice? Um, which you can do a little bit in a column. Like, the But point- I thought the diversity one was interesting yeah. specifically because I really honed in on, you know, just geographic location diversity yeah, 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 that yeah. you know that was something that well you know i did the typical uh privileged white male thing where i was like well blue lives matter too right like all lives matter so like geography is something that man i see those bumper but stickers I, everywhere and i always think like i don't Do you realize what you're doing but, i just but i just at a more simple level like yeah, sometimes yeah. you know diversity means lots of gender race i mean like there's a whole you know yeah. two tomes of literature written on that but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know in tech Right, because it is so concentrated in such a few areas. But it's we, I think, have both known in our careers because you end up, you know, flying around talking to these different companies, going to different DevOps days or whatever, right? You get a real sense of like there are actually plenty of people like all over. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, yes, those people can move, but like it's, you know, there's just lots of reasons people end up staying in certain areas. So, you know, the fact that there is so much, you know, there's not enough. Uh, what I think a lot of people are saying when they see this, like there's not enough people in San Francisco, right? Yes. There's not enough people in, you know, whatever tech hub you want to pick. But, um, you know, what there is, is there's plenty of tech people all over. Yeah. And if you're just, if you're just willing to step back a little bit and consider some other options, you're going to get a lot more stuff. So I thought that was really yeah, a good. Yeah, might be one of the more actionable pieces. And it's, but I've it's also written. very simple, right? It isn't, you know, it isn't, because I think some of the other stuff that you talk about, you know, about like education and pulling in different people. I think those are good ideas, just harder, right? But like, hey, why not open an office anywhere that is not, you know, a tech hub, right? And you will probably, I think you said uh, like St. Louis, I think was one. Maybe you said that, I don't know. Yeah, it is Kansas City. Kansas City. But, you know, I know I've been there a lot. Like I uh, I haven't been there a lot, but I know like Sprint and there's a lot of telecom. There's like super smart people up there, right? Yeah, and like Charlotte and Atlanta, like. Yeah, I mean, these, they're they're all over. So just, just open, like, you know, so. I just think that's very actionable, very simple. Like you, Mr. Tech CEO, can't find everyone. Just just open an office in uh, Kansas City and you'll be fine. You know, and yeah. when that fills up, there's going to be St. Louis and plenty of other places to go next. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was I, to, to add more commentary, I was really afraid to publish that piece, you know, being because usually like it's, uh, it's you know, like a uh, wealthy white dude wades into a diversity conversation and gets decimated if, <laughs> if, he, if he doesn't like do everything correctly. And so like, I almost like, pulled that piece so to speak but then i also faced the deadline of like a deadline the the pressure of a deadline and i was like oh i don't want to write a whole nother piece so fuck it ship it right and, see and what then, happens yeah yeah and i spent a lot of time um i don't know if this is condemns me or, or whatever i don't mean it to be congratulatory but more of just the process of doing this right like i spent a lot of time trying to balance like the gender stuff there right i, I guess I, I could have gotten like i don't even know all the, the whatever some trans person in there some fluid gender person as well but like 
So you'll notice that I have one quote from a male and, and a quote and quotes, quotes from a male and quotes from a female, right? Mm -hmm. And I even had a quote from Jeffrey Hammond at the Forester, and I pulled that because I thought like, well, then someone's going to be like, you got two males and one female. Okay. And so like I was trying to balance it as much as possible. Um, I think that's the case. Um, and, and so like that, that's an example of like doing, doing the, the nervousness that doing kind of a, an opinion piece can have is because like, I mean, I spent a lot of time trying to make that a, a, a locked up rock solid thing that no one would find, you know, the, the typical thing that happens in this, and this ha actually happened, I forget which conference, but there was a somewhat spontaneous panel that was all filled with men. And I don't even want to try to remember the backstory, but that caused a great controversy. Right. It was in, like men, in, in men and men's opinion on right? like women. And, tech. and so you don't want to do that. Right. And so normally yeah. like issues that are socially controversial, except making fun of Trump uh, and people who don't believe in science. I always do that, uh, make fun of that. But like pretty much social issues, I try not to touch on because I feel like, I don't know, I don't feel like uh, my voice is very welcome there. And more importantly, I don't really know how to paddle around in that that river. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I think that but article, I, 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 I think was, you found a way in that I article. Was pleased right? that I pleased that I didn't get fucked. Yeah. Right? That, it, that it worked out. Cause, yeah. Because I, I really did. I mean, the, the, what makes me ultimately care this much about it is like, I do believe and care about all that stuff. And I want to tell people. And I don't want like, I don't want my ideas to get masked in like some controversy just because like I quoted two men in, in, instead of balancing it. I mean, I'm totally artificing this up to make a point, but like, I don't want to. And then I'll go to an example of where I don't care about this. I don't want to accidentally, unknowingly misstep and have that ruin the whole point of something. And then so as an example of where I do that and don't care, you look at one of the other pieces. Uh, I think this is one of my, my finer pieces that I wrote about how, uh, how, how Java is actually a thing. And, and, and uh, you know, to talk about myself more as I'm doing, like I noticed in rereading this that I really like to, just like my podcast, I like to start uh, sort of a medias rex, like right in the middle of things. And so if you read this piece on Java, it starts with a conversation with a pizza delivery person, just boom, right off the bat. And basically this person was asking me like what programming language they should use. And I was recommending Java. And so that launches off the whole thing of like Java is actually like, if you're going to bet on a language to be uh, employed with bet on Java. And in that I started talking about the, um, the, uh, this is actually a really good example of the point I was talking about with the diversity thing. The point I was making is that one of the reasons Java is so good is because it's, um, what's the evolutionary word? It's very adaptive. Like whatever's going on, Java has, and by Java, I'm personifying it. The overall Java community and technology, how Java is used, has adapted itself every single time to whatever needs exist there, right? Like even Android is based on Java, right? So I don't think since Java has been around, there has ever been a technological wave that it has not successfully adapted to. It's highly adaptive. Even originally, it was going to be like embedded stuff, and that didn't work out, so they moved it to the server. Like its birth was all based on adapting to a new thing. And so that's the overall point that I was trying to make. And in doing so, you basically talk about how like no one cares about JEE anymore, to greatly summarize it. And then, of course, you get the guardians of Java EE on your ass about that, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and you're just like... Again, this is an example of the diversity problem I was having is like, I am trying to give Java the highest praise possible, that this thing is adaptive and will never die. And then you're getting all upset because I said someone doesn't like Java E. Right. Right. And so in that example, I don't give a fuck because like, whatever. Well, I think what you're hitting on there is like tribalism, right? Yeah. Where yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. There are legitimate discussions that are interesting that often then end in tribalism. And then when it's at that point, you need to exit the conversation. I try, like I personally, no, I'm not saying I'm great at it. Like I try to exit conversations then that go down the tribalism thing where it's just yeah. like, well, you know, whether that's like sports, politics, tech company, you know, job is a good example. Like at some point, you know, you know, a node person's just so invested in node, they're never, there's, you know, there can be no, or, or the Java person either way. So, um, so that's a good, I think a important thing for anyone being a columnist is to, like if you feel yeah, yourself falling into tribalism, just stop, just like stop writing, like conclude the article and, and move on. Cause that's what I, I think if there's something bad to read, it's that kind of article, the tribalism yeah, yeah, yeah. article. For sure. So mm -hmm. speak just as a minor total sidebar, uh, speaking of redundancy, have you noticed like, and you only notice this when there's a subsequent release, how many AWS things only run in AWS East? 
Like I was reading about VMware being there and they're like, oh, and we've added AWS Oregon. And you think like, hold on, that's sort of a big deal if you're only running in one zone. In fact, I'm pretty sure every postmortem I've ever read of something going wrong in Amazon is like, don't be a don't, fucking idiot. Yeah, run run in multiple zones. Multiple zones. Isn't so that all like, these it's like guys, for, I think it's like the only headline. It's like, yeah. hey, run this in multiple so zones. So all I, I'm, I'm, my theory would be that the majority of interesting announcements you see around AWS only run in one zone. And so therefore are bullshit. Right. Like, well, I think this is, I mean, I hope maybe um, I should pitch this as an idea. Yeah. I was going to say one, this sounds like a good register <laughs> article. I hope this is some good content for our uh, software to find talk regular episode later this week. Um, we've actually, Matt Ray's not here tonight because we sent him to just watch all the videos mm -hmm. and we're just going to ask questions. <laughs> like, Cause I don't know. I mean, I know our uh, friend, friend of the podcast, uh, Chip, I sent Chip to, uh, to with AWS stickers. with stickers yes. and uh, hopefully find the well-dressed. Yeah. Man. As I say, yeah. Hopefully he'll come back with some ideas too. Cause uh -huh. that's just, It'll take us a while to do it, but I, I do. I mean, I I don't know anything about that, so I'm not going to say it's, but it, it feels possible. It feels like they have a bunch of services they're trying to bake, so then maybe that would the reason they put it in one zone, but but that seems to be like the thing. Even the AWS people, that's like the first thing they tell you. It's like, well, guys, you know, one, we're going to do this, and you got to put it in other zones. And then they use that to their advantage, too, as a selling point, so I don't know. We'll, we'll know more. Uh, tune in. Tune in. Yeah. To the next episode of Software Undefined Talk, we'll talk about that. You get that Jeff Barr here telling me he can wear a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> Great. Uh, well, uh, so I don't know. What, what, what else do you want to talk about? Well, we, we can keep going. <laughs> no, I think we're good. I think okay. we've made a good episode here. And uh, Brandon's got to wrap up. Well, this, let, uh, I'll just this go. Thing I'll, I'll just go. Uh, let, me, let me extemporaneize a few more just to get some items out. One. Uh -huh. uh, so let's see how these pieces are put together. And I think this is this is also inclusive if if you if you want to read the sort of like Matt Assay pieces too. Like you'll notice that what we do, and I assume I'm projecting the way that I do things, you, you'll, you'll notice that uh, we we basically seem to be collecting a whole bunch of stuff that we just collage into an article, right? So he'll often like pull together a bunch of surveys and other stuff and you can tell that he actually goes and interviews people every now and then, which is nice to your point about knowing people. I, I don't do that because like, then I have to deal with someone and their timeline. I should probably do that more. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll it is, it is a pain, but a good interview yeah. and a, a couple quotes does yeah. make, yeah. can make something occasionally a lot better. Occasionally I have enough wherewithal to like ask someone ahead of time for a quote. But usually what I do is I'm accumulating quotes from other sources and things like that and building it up. Like for example, um, that diversity one, the two quotes are actually, I didn't actually ask them. They were from podcasts that I'd done with the two. Right. People. So that's a good trick. And then yeah. I think the other thing that I think you would be good at if you're not always doing this, the old email, just like, oh, Hey, yeah. just to say, Hey, we'd love to get your take on X, Y, Z. And I'm looking, and would you mind if I use some of this? And, and that, that way people just can, yeah. that way you can just have an email box yeah, of like yeah. different uh, quotes on it. And it's, it's usually easy for someone to write something, you know, short, I mean, very short. And then you can kind of clean it up a little bit. That's true. That's true. So yeah, usually like, you know, you've got to always be like collecting all this stuff that you can, you can, uh, raw material. It's sort of like the way I go to the grocery stores. I don't really have meals in mind. I just buy a bunch of stuff and then I combine it together and into a meal when, when it's time to make something. Well, that can go a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my wife is the exact opposite. She, she, she likes to buy things in a unified meal. She's very waterfall knowing the uh the recipe and everything beforehand also when she packs clothes she packs full outfits okay right? like she'll pack the you know the full outfit for the kid and herself and i don't do that i just put together clothes that i know i like and and i try not to have like all black and all stripes because you can't have stripes on top and bottom you know stuff like that but just some principles basic rules yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 then so let's see uh the other thing oh so there's also another another uh, uh hallmark i guess of my columns is the comment section do you read the comments? I, I read the comments like once. I used to read the comments, all of them, but now I just kind of like, I read the comments. I skim through the comments on the first day just to get a sense of how off base I am. And so I have other people who will read the comments. Not that I have them, but other people like my we'll coworker, Mr. Roder, he'll, he'll read the comments and comment. Do you, do, you, do you think you have a thicker skin? From yeah, reading yeah, comments, sure, like is sure. that? Do you feel like you have a pretty thick skin? Yeah, yeah. Because you you read enough of them over time, and you realize, you know, if you have enough empathy, you realize that well, I don't know, these people are just in their situation, and and also the other thing that you realize is like, well, they just don't like my writing style, right? Like, so I I've gotten that a lot frequently is uh, 
like my favorite one of wait, late was the register should hire adults to write for them. And, and you know, and then he cited, like, I, I think I said splaining twice in reference to something. Uh-huh. He cited this, I assume it was a he, this person cited all these words that I had used and stuff. And that's fine. And then someone else. Uh, that kind were, of comment, I think once you see it a couple of times, that probably makes you feel good, right? Because I think that means yeah, yeah. that some people are gravitating to your style and some oh, yeah. people aren't. So I'm, that's I mean, okay. I mean, every time I do something weird, I'm extremely conscious of doing it. It's highly, highly artificed and, and, uh, done intentional. Well, I always think like when you publish stuff, anything online, like when it's, um, suddenly the quality is just awful because like, you did something wrong and it just doesn't yeah, yeah. work. Like whether that be software podcast or whatever. Right. I mean, so that, that is the worst because you really feel ownership. Like, Oh, I just I put some of that bad out. And then, the second though is like fat when you get something factually incorrect. Like yeah, just, like yeah, that yeah. I always feel bad about. But then, uh, you know, so I that's just a problem. yeah. So I think those are always like when I read stuff or when I get I don't, and I certainly don't have a column, so I don't know. If, you know, maybe I wouldn't. But when people are just like they don't like your take or they don't like the fact that you, you know you like to write in a certain way or use certain words, it's like fine. Yeah, that's yeah. that's just like hey, you you can just click next or yeah, you can yeah. click the back. The back button is right there for you, and they can be taken care of pretty easily. Yeah, and and then I think there's two other types, but then to close that one out, the other the other recent comment, there was a pair of them that I really liked. Was someone said, uh, what did they say? They said something like, "I'm sort of like like uh, like Thomas Friedman, like you know, on <laughs> on pretty drugs good. or something." Which and what they meant by that is the old thing about Thomas Friedman just rode a taxi through India and then wrote right. a whole book about the flat Earth or whatever. And then right. and then someone someone wrote a reply to that that I was I was more like Steve Bong on Valium. If you remember Steve Bong from The Onion, <laughs> and uh, so so I've made reference to that several times. That, you know, and as as I'll say in my Thomas Friedmaning around the tech industry, I've noticed this. And, and then I always put a link directly to that comment. Just I love to troll the trollers. Good. But well, that's good. so then the other the, the good type of comments. So so there's one other type of comment, especially for the the cat the the um ostensible topic area of DevOps that I think I get a lot, which is basically like, why won't anyone tell me what DevOps is? I don't even understand what this is. And the you know the register needs to, and then the and sub variant of this is like the register needs to stop hiring like vendors to spout vendor nonsense. And like for the first one, it's just sort of like I I don't know what DevOps is. No one does. Like go read it somewhere else. That's not the point of this column, right. right? Like if, if I were to define DevOps, that would be boring and you can go read a report and figure out what it is. And then the other one is just like, Jesus Christ. If you, if you think the register is like letting a vendor spout stuff, obviously you're not a register reader, right? Obviously like, you don't interact with vendors very much. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, there's that as well. So, and, and then, so the good comments that I think are always a good sign of going on is when people start, I'm going to sound trite or whatever, or cutesy, but when they actually discuss the ideas in the column, right? Now, whether or not they agree with the ideas, I don't care about, but they're they're more debating the idea, right? So like in this Kubernetes one, it would be great, and I'll probably never get to this because I, I don't want to read comments, but it would be great if when I published this Kubernetes thing, there was a debate about, uh, well, what is Google's strategy, right? And people were just discussing that rather than saying like, this person's an idiot and works for Pivotal, and so therefore they're biased and Pivotal is like owned by Dell Technologies, which owns VMware. So they're basically just trying to tell you to go buy more VMware. And I fucking hate VMware. Like, right. I mean, that would be a typical. And then this person is like on drugs. Well, we should invite people that want to debate that. We should invite them to the Software Defined Talk Slack. Because mm. I feel like there is actually some decent conversation, along with a lot of mindless uh, commentary on random subjects. But uh, I do, I do. I agree with you. Though. The comment section, while it was a good idea, I think I understand where it came from. And, you know, certainly it'll live on forever it it is in a place where generally a lot of thoughtful discussion goes on yeah that's like you need to go somewhere else for that yeah yeah so that's uh i don't know i could go on just talking about myself but i mean that's so i mean the way that i would frame all of that like why you should care is one like if if you're interested in i didn't go over a lot of the mechanics of how it's written but you can kind of more get a sense of like what's going on behind the scenes as far as uh editorial choices of how to do things and how how the setup works uh i mean the the i guess the downside for a, a lot of people always ask me like how do i how do i do what you do and and in this instance it's typical of like well you get an editor to ask you to write it right <laughs> so, well no i think you're, sh- you're uh so there's no there's no easy way to but to, you're cutting yourself short there for sure right like you i've as you and i have talked about many times like you you're definitely a proponent of like just just start doing stuff right, right, you, right. And, you know very early on whether it was uh blogging podcasting uh, just online social activity of 
all kinds. Like you've been early embracing. So I would flip that around and say, listen, you know, the, the way you start is just start you know, contributing and start doing stuff. And at the beginning, yeah, it'll just feel like yeah. you're doing it for nothing. Like we've been doing this podcast for a while and we've even done some more before this. And only now are we seeing like people come to us with ideas and sometimes they want to sponsor and it's great. We love it. But you know, it's not that it just happened. Right. And yeah. it's not it's even, it's not even that lucrative. It's, it's another but, decade long overnight but, uh, success. Yeah. So I think, you know, anyone, you know, like that, I think that is cliche advice. Like writers, if you want to be a great writer, you should start writing. Yeah. I mean, that's and, sort and, of the and, obvious thing. Yeah. And then, so the last thing I would say is, uh, unless I come up with something else is, so as a consumer of this stuff, just to make clear from what, especially, you know, you were saying earlier is, um, if you do read the tech news, you should make sure to put a lot of effort into finding analysis and opinions, right? Like find and notice people who have like opinions that you like, or I shouldn't say opinions that you like, but you like the way they express opinions and you like the way they do analysis and make sure to pay attention to them uh, extra closely and try to curate as much of that as possible because otherwise you just like, because basic reporters come and go. Um, and so even if you like the style of a reporter, they'll probably only be on that beat for like a year or two uh, in the tech news world and then they'll move on. That doesn't always happen. Like someone like Nancy Goring would cover the stuff that she did a lot. Or, you know, if they're really good, they get promoted to an editor like her and things like that. But always be on the lookout for like opinions uh, from people uh, that that you think are well argued, I guess, and add that to your uh, your diet of tech news. I like it. Find the truth tellers, right? You know, find that's the right. truth tellers out there and read a couple of them, right? That's you know, that's definitely, the easiest. Definitely, way to do it. there is an RSS feed of my columns you can see. Yeah. So where do they go? Where do they actually go to? You see you, it just if if uh, I think if you go to cote.wtf, I have a direct link okay. to my archives. But or if just you just search Michael Cote, if you just search like the register one word in Google, right? Like don't put a space between it, and you put Cote. They've got a lot of articles. How many articles do you think are up now? There's probably 20 or so. Okay. There's, see, there's, there's, there's two, some... Uh, if two years plus a couple of other ones. All right. So you're looking for some stuff to read. There's there's definitely plenty out there. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I, I'm... Did I say this? I'm thinking of... I, I really want to put it together in a book so I can be like Hunter Thompson. Like, would, <laughs> I, I, I always like this idea that journalists, like the way they make books and also an, uh, Horowitz guy, is they just take previously published siloed content and they put it in a book. And, and what I'm thinking of doing, I heard that... Uh, how do you say his name? The... Uh, the uh, the idea like white people's problem is they think that white people are a category. Tanisha Coates, who also Tanahasi Coates. There right. you go. Yeah. Uh -huh. Like I heard that his most recent book is also like is a paste yeah. pot book. Is, I think it's an anthology. Is that the yeah, right word? Yeah. And so, and one of the the overviews of I heard, which I want to read that book. I mean, one for itself, but also to see the mechanics of this is he wrote he got the Atlantic articles on Obama that he wrote, and in between each, he wrote sort of like what was happening in his life at the time. Mm -hmm. So there's this interesting glue. And I want to see if there's something to do there because I think um, I think not that I'm in any way in the same area of coverage that he is, uh, but like I think there would be interesting commentary to put in there of historically. Well, I like it when people on. do that because uh, my the guy that wrote uh, Shift and Wool, his name uh, mm. uh, Hugh Howie or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, he quick he did like a not of some. Um, basically some bunch of random stuff that he had that he threw it all together in a book and then he wrote in kind of in between it he wrote kind of the same thing i think yeah. it's kind of thing like where he was in life and kind of something about the story where it came from and uh just it's just maybe just a brandon thing but then i like it when those books then show up on audible because then i can just like power through oh, yeah. like you know ta-nehisi coast did like you know i don't know like 10 years of his life uh it's been written in like the atlantic and like a bunch of different places but you throw it in there on audible i can just power through it double speed that thing and like be up so to have date you, have you have you listened to that book no i haven't but i do uh i've got that on the list of, yeah you know uh, neil gaiman things. does that in his anthology book but he's too cutesy about it as you would expect you know fairy tale neil gaiman guy to be where he's always trying to give that twinkly eye enchantment in everything that he writes and so he he's not as direct about like what i want to hear is exactly what you're saying is like when i was writing this this is what was, i want to know about the actual what, what actually was happening, not just like I had visited something on the Thames and I was <laughs> right. visiting my No, no, I'm it's obviously sure I saw a gnome under the table, no, no. so I wrote this. What's interesting about it is when they draw, like, usually it's like a place where they are, but followed yeah. by like some event in their life yeah, that yeah. drove usually some kind of emotion to like, drive that like, story. Like Warren Ellis's weekly newsletter has a lot of that in it where he's just kind of talking about his life, his, right. his life as a writer. He doesn't tell you about like, you know, his failed romances and what he had for breakfast that day, but the, his, he tells you about his job. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I know Ta-Nehisi like he uses some pretty big life events. I think a friend of his died. In like I can't remember exact circumstances, but that you know obviously shaded some you know one of the, some of his writing and the yeah, other yeah, thing. Yeah, and then yeah. he had children. I so, remember that. So a lot of that stuff is. is or I don't know. I get the, the Ezra Klein interviews mixed up with his books. <laughs> That's true. That is true. All right, Kote. Well, check out the register and read all about Kote. And then, of course, if you're subscribing to this podcast, as we always say, uh, you know, you can always give us more money. What are we recommending? I think we're recommending five dollars a month. Per month. Many, so. many people have been either signing up for that. The well-dressed man, he signed up for five dollars. Okay. And uh, and other people have been upping their 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 one dollar to either three dollars or five dollars, which is much appreciated. We're now at hundred and three dollars a month, which which Patreon takes like a twenty five percent cut, so we get like seventy five or eighty dollars. That's fine. Right? We're we're happy. Yeah, yeah. we're happy. And I would say let's let's maybe preview. Maybe in the coming year, we're talking about some kind of newsletter for yeah, yeah, our yeah, yeah. listeners that would, um, you know, we we will steal some of the ideas maybe from Ben Thompson. We won't publish every day, but maybe we yeah. could write something you know once a month, twice a month that are, we think is interesting. Some analysis. Yeah. So if well, you, I, I I always want to do the classic magazine editorial approach i keep saying that word but the way you select things is it's basically like all the interesting stuff i came across in this period right and and then also things that maybe were like the potpourri of cut stuff whatever it's just it's kind of like the interstitial stuff like yeah you want to know more what's going on with this these voices Uh, so i would just say if you like that idea you should tell us on twitter it's a good idea because that will give us motivation to do it or join the Slack yeah. and uh, tell us. If you don't like that idea, you can also tell us that. And then we'll, we'll do something else. Yeah, we, we, we can channel Kara Swisher and say, if you don't like that idea, you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. No, but in this case, we're not. Because we're no, not we're, as we're successful. Not, we're not Kara Swisher. We're not. No, we want to. We want more people to subscribe. I just we want, like saying, go fuck yourself. That's one of my favorite phrases. <laughs> we want uh, uh, We want to make sure that we're doing stuff that you like. And we want to see you know the small uh, business grow. And it yeah. will. So. so to do my final Columbo, one last thing. What do you think, Brandon? I was thinking on driving over here. I don't know what this means, but I should start a Kickstarter for making that book. You think that's a thing? Because here, here's my main concern with self-publishing is I need uh, at least a copy editor. Right. I need to hire someone who will go through and correct all my typos and misspellings. Yeah. And I'm sure that costs money. 500 or or $1,000. I have no idea. Our friend Paula, JP's wife, used to do that. So maybe wow. I could ask her. But I think she's now an adult and be like that. No, I'm no not way. doing that. I'm not going to slice your onions for you. Uh, and so, but I was thinking maybe I start a Kickstarter. What was like, like $5,000? Is that how it works? I think Would I even good. be able to raise that? I don't know. Well, you know what? Let's ask, we'll, we'll ask this listener base. And then we got, obviously, we'll yeah. ask the software defined talk. Listener base. So if you think it's a good idea, you should, you know, uh, yeah. find Kote on Twitter. Yeah. Just send him, just tell him you think it's a good idea for him to self publish this book. I'm just going to go on record. I think it's a good idea. So there's the first. Plus one of that idea. Brandon's in for a dollar. I'm in, I'm in for something, you know? So uh, (laughs) I'm in for all the software defined talk advertising money going towards that. Let's do it. There you go. So, all right. You already subscribed to the podcast, but if, uh, if you want to up your amount, like Brandon was saying, that's good. That's helpful. And uh, also it's good to recommend it to friends you have, if you think they'll be uh, interested in this kind of stuff and join us in the Slack at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash Slack. And uh, there's multiple channels in there. Uh, you know, see everyone next time. Bye-bye.